Look with me in 1 Corinthians here, the uh, 12th chapter. Let's remind ourselves of some things about ministry gifts. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, you're, you're familiar with it, here toward the end of the chapter, verse 27, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And he asked the question, you know, are all apostles? And the answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No gifts of healings, no speak with tongues, no interpret, no. And he's talking about ministry gifts. Did you notice he didn't ask, are all in the ministry of helps? He didn't ask that question. Because, really, all of us are. Is that right? I mean, even if you say, well, I have my own ministry, in the truest sense, you are a helps ministry to the Lord Jesus' ministry. Is that right? building his kingdom. But did you see that helps was mentioned as a definite position of, that folk are set in in the church? Just as much as an apostle or prophet, teacher, what have you, he mentions helps. And uh, I want to say something that you sometimes people don't think about. You know, really a relatively small percentage of the body of Christ is going to be speaking gifts. People that stand behind the pulpit and teach or preach. Uh, I, don't, I'm, I wouldn't try to give you a figure percentage-wise, but it's, it's going to be a relatively small percentage. Most of the body of Christ uh, are not speaking gifts. They're not grace to teach. They're not grace to preach. And they ought not try to do so. I'm talking about in a ministry Behind a pulpit situation. Now every child of God could share with somebody what they know. On a one to one, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, or two or three people in their home. You understand what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm not saying you can't share and can't minister, but, uh, I'm gonna know that, you know, it's difference between being able to swim and being a swimmer. Is that right? Being able to run. I can run, but I'm not a runner. I don't, I don't go to these marathons. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, it's, you know, be able to exhort some, share some, teach something. That, that doesn't mean you're a teacher. Any more than being able to prophesy makes you a prophet. Some folk are apparently confused about that, but, but, uh, you know, the Bible said, for you may all prophesy one by one. Well, does that mean we're all prophets? No, no. And just because you can teach a little bit doesn't make you a teacher in that sense. Or that you get inspired and, and exhort some, that doesn't make you a, an evangelist. And so a relatively small percentage of the body of Christ are going to be speaking gifts. But everybody in the body of Christ has a ministry. And has grace and gifts that God's given them to fill their place in the body of Christ. And so, so much of, uh, so many people are going to fall under this category of helps ministries. What they're doing is going to be a help in some capacity to the church, to the work of God, to the ministry. 
And uh, that that is a great, when, when he says helps, that's a big canopy that covers a lot of different things. You know, we we appreciate people who can sing and people who can play and lead music and play instru- instruments. Uh, that's all helps. And, uh, of course, you know that ushering is helps. And, and you know that uh, working with the ki- kids or working with the children, uh, uh, helping with visitation or or helping put packets together, or janitorial work, or cleaning. I mean, all this is helps. Is that right? Helps, helps. And uh, people do not need to think that their place is unimportant because they're not on the platform. Most people are not going to be on the platform. So when you're not on the platform, you're in the majority. And that's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that way. And really, if you, if you have a platform obsession, then it shows that you're not qualified to be on the platform. Because uh, it is not just being on the platform, it's being graced to be on the platform. And just, you know, you might say, well, I, I look good on the platform. It's not about looks. It's not about looks. <laughs> and if all you see is glamour or being seen, then you show immediately that you're not qualified for it because uh, if you are graced and called along that line, then you will see the responsibility of it. A lot of times that people that do have a platform obsession, they, they have never really studied scriptures like James where it, uh, where it talks about you know, uh, brethren, not all of you should try to be teachers. Why? Because uh, we'll be judged with greater severity. You'll be held accountable for what you say to people, whether you lead them right, whether you lead them wrong. And you know, I mean, it's one thing to answer for yourself, but the Bible says in Hebrews that leaders will have to answer for those that they led. And so uh, you're not just talking about being seen, you're talking about responsibility. And don't misunderstand me, if you're called, that's why some people say, well, hey, you never catch me up there. Well, if you're called, though, at the judgment seat of Christ, you'll give an account. If you were called to teach and preach, you will be judged as a teacher or preacher, though you never spoke one sermon. You will, you will be judged for what you were called to do, for your faithfulness to what you were called. And if you were faithful in what you were called, though nobody knew your name, though you never got on the platform, the Lord's going to look at you and say, well done, thou good and faithful sir. You did what I asked you to do. You were faithful in these, you know, these things. And then the Lord's going to bless you and add to you and give you rewards. So the ministry of helps is a very, very important ministry. It's much more important than some uh, some people think. I, it, it bothers me when people belittle the ministry of helps. When you hear sometimes people saying, well, I'm just in the ministry of helps. What do you mean just? You understand what I mean, really? Let me get a little closer to you so I can see your, see your response. What do you mean just? There's a lot of things that people, you can tell, you can tell by little key words. It, it tells you problems in their thinking and mentality. Like, I'm just a wife. I'm just so-and-so's wife. You understand? I don't know how many uh, 
ladies that Phyllis and I have talked to that got mad because somebody referred to them as so-and-so's wife. And one, one day, uh, because, well, they figure, well, you're not giving me my full uh, full appreciation of me. I'm an individual. I have a name. I'm not just so-and-so's wife, okay? Well, that's a problem. you got a problem. should not bother you if they say, well, that's, that, that's such and such church's parking lot worker. What's the problem with that? You understand what I'm saying? I know Phyllis and I were talking about that, I don't know, a good while back. And she said, she, she had a thought. She said, you know, you know, most, so many of the women in the Bible were called so-and-so's wife. A whole bunch of them, you never, we don't know their names. And the name's never given. So-and-so's wife. You know, John in his epistle, the gospel account of John, he doesn't use his name in there. But he refers to himself as the disciple whom the Lord loved. Do you know it's not it's not really important that people know your name. And yet how many times do people get upset about that? Hmm? Well, this is my helper. A lot of times people man, it take them two weeks to get over that. This is my this is my helper. Now, I'm not just talking about a husband and wife situation. I'm just talking about anybody. This, who is this? This person helps me. This is my helper. And yet people get upset about that, don't they? I mean, hey, I have a name, okay? My name is. Use it. <clears throat> no, not only do you have a name, you have a problem. You have a problem. And it's, it's a desire... To be noticed. It's a desire to be recognized and acknowledged. And that's not the kind of heart that you need to have to please God to serve in the ministry of helps. You need to be perfectly happy and satisfied to be in the background. And nobody see you. Nobody know you. Because you know the Lord knows. Is that right? And he never forgets. And he's, he's not forgetful about what you've done. He keeps good records and good books. And he never forgets. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, not only so, but the Bible says that the works of some men, the good works of some men, are seen beforehand. Now, obviously, some of them are not, he's saying, but those that are otherwise, the work, good works that, are, that don't come out down here, they cannot be hid. And a revelation that you need to get is that if people do not acknowledge what you have done, the Lord may be reserving that for later. Not even in this life. And so when you do something and work hard and nobody even mentions it or nobody even says your name or even nobody even says thank you. How many times people get upset over that? Well, they could have at least said thank you. I mean, I did work excellent, you know. People don't appreciate me. Well, who said they would? Who said they had to? See, a lot of those people just, they have a lot of things they've just assumed it's supposed to be. And what it is, it's carnal, worldly thinking. People have not yet renewed their mind. I mean, people out, sinners out on the job in the world, in the workplace, they think just the same way and operate the same way as they. 
We're supposed to be different. We're saved, right? Saved people, Christians. And so we, we're supposed to think differently. And I'm telling you, when things come up that nobody has noticed what you've done, and, uh, you know, nothing has come out about it, and you put a lot into it, uh, you know God knows. Is that right? And if he's not prompting anybody to mention you or say anything about you, then just smile because he's got plans for later. And see, a lot of times people don't realize that. They say, well, they just look at people and they're carnally minded. Don't you know that if God wanted some things to come out, he could put you on people's hearts. He could prompt them. He could remind them, say something about this. And if he's not doing that, maybe he doesn't want to do that. And how many know it's not worth much if you just prompt somebody to sing your praises? You know, if you have, if you remind them in, in a, not a very nice way and, and then they get up and say, oh yeah, oh yeah, right. So and so did this. We gotta let everybody know. And, uh, that's not a blessing. You don't, you don't want that. What's that worth? Is that right? God knows everything you do. And He never forgets. And if the good, if your good works don't come out here and now, they cannot be hid, the Bible said. And they'll come out later. And uh, I tell you, you'd, you'd rather them come out later. Is that right? In the way that he will do some things. Now, I wanted to talk to you today about how to help. How to help. Do you know that you're not born knowing anything? You're born knowing nothing, like a blank sheet of paper you come into this world. And you have to learn everything. But it's amazing, people can be saved six months. And you try to talk to them about how to pray and they'll get mad. Really? Really? Because why? They assume, hey, I know, I've prayed for six months, I know how to pray. Listen to this. Just because you've done something for a long time doesn't mean you know how to do it. You know, we have uh, marriage seminars sometimes. And uh, we talk to people, you know, and, and you have to watch it. Because uh, just because you've been married for a while, that doesn't mean you know how to be married. Doesn't mean you know how to be a good husband, good wife. Well, we've made it, X amount. Well, that doesn't mean much. That just that means God's merciful. <laughs> God is gracious. <laughs> I know uh, Phyllis and I had been married about uh, ten years or so. We've been married about sixteen now, and uh, we've been married about. Oh, nine years, ten years, something like that. And I just looked at her one day. I said, you know, we don't know how to be married. <laughs> we don't, you know, because, uh, see, what you, what you, the reason people think they know is because they grew up observing their mom and dad. And they grew up with certain things and they just assume we know. And then when you get used to the routine of life, you think, well, hey, we've done this for years. Sure, we know. No, that does Yeah, you know something. But that doesn't mean what you're doing is right. 
Is that right? And that covers a lot of areas that I won't get into right now. But just because you've done, and, and see, same thing with spiritual things. Just because you've prayed for a long, long time doesn't mean you know everything about prayer. Just because you, you know, know something about this area or you've done this particular thing, you can always learn something new. Is that right? You can always get, you know, learn how to do things better and more efficiently. I mean, that's true with natural things. And I mean, you may have rebuilt engines, let's say, for 20 years. But that doesn't mean you know all the thing, everything about building engines. I mean, you may, you know, somebody may come along and do something. You look at in amazement and go, you mean you can just do this in three steps instead of ten? I never thought, how come I never thought of that? Amen. Sometimes people never think of it because after doing it for a while, they assume, hey, I've got it down the best way it can be done. And they're not even looking or open to improve. Yeah. That's pride That's right. and unteachableness. And you've got to always be thinking, hey, there's a better way. Let's find it. We can do this better, more efficiently, quicker, more fruit, better results. Amen. Amen. And the Holy Ghost to show us there's a better way. Do you have any areas you need to change? Huh? Now the reason I'm pausing is I'm looking at your expressions. Because a lot, when you say that a lot of times people, they, they look, kind of, they have to hesitate a little bit. Well, I don't know if I need to change it. Let me ask this question. Are you perfect? Have you, have you fully matured to the likeness and image of Christ? I don't think so. Well, then if you haven't, what does that mean? You need to change. That means there's some things you're doing now that's not Christ-like right now. There's some ways you're thinking as you sit right here in this chair that are not Christ-like. But see, you need to keep yourself aware of that Hey. I got areas I need to change. I need to grow. I need to develop. I haven't arrived. And that may, you know, that sounds like it's not a great revelation, but you got to continually remind yourself of that. I haven't arrived. So what do I, what do I need to work on? You, you know, it's difficult to be as objective with yourself as you are with other people. Do you know what? You understand? You, you're getting it better now when I said that. It's easy to look at somebody else and size them up and say, well, hey, you know, they need to work on this area. Boy, if you could just do that with yourself. If you, but it, it's amazing how that, you see, you're with yourself all the time. And you're used to yourself. And if you're not careful, you just assume, hey, I got it together. I'm okay. <laughs> But that just ain't so. It just is not. Because, see, while you're looking at other people thinking, you know, man, they need to work on that. They, they're a good brother. They're a good sister. I love them. I like them. But they, they need to work on this. Well, see, they're, they're doing the same thing with you. They're thinking, I love them. They're good people, you know. But, uh, but they ought to. They ought to quit this, or they ought to back, you know, not do as much of this, or they ought to change that, or that, 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 that annoying habit. They need to get rid of that. Well, we've all got room to grow. We've all, everybody, you have, I have. 
You want to pray a prayer right now? I'm serious. Come on. Pray this prayer with me, Lord. Help me to see myself like you see me. And help me to see what others may see that I haven't seen. Remind me. Help me to see things you may have shown me before. But I ignored it. And I forgot. Forgive me. Show it to me again. That I may be more conformed to the image of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now expect to see yourself anew and afresh. Really, it, it, it'll surprise you. When you, when you really open up yourself and, and are as objective with you as you are with other people. If you could just put yourself on the other side of the desk. If you could put yourself on the other side of the conversation, on the other side of the table. You understand what I'm saying? Thinking, well, you know what they need to do. Well, you see yourself like someone else would see you, and better yet, as the Lord sees you, because he sees everything perfectly correct. And uh, one thing you got to do is you got to be humble enough when you see things you don't like to admit it. Is that right? And uh, not get mad. You know, people get mad because they don't have the faith and the humility to deal with things. But you know... Uh, Remember the woman, and, 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 and I'm, I'm taking all kinds of side, side journeys here, but remember the, the woman that had the uh, daughter that was oppressed and came and asked Jesus for help, and eventually, I mean, he said it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Well, he's not just trying to offend her. He's not trying to slander her and call her names. Why did he use such words? Why does he say such things? Because that's where they are. If you do any study in history, those Canaanites, they lived like dogs. And they did. And you know what she said? Truth, Lord. Hmm? She didn't jump up in his face and say, who are you calling a dog? <laughs> I have you know, preacher, we saw our Phoenicians just as good as you Jews, bless God. Let me tell you about some Jews I know. <clears throat> now, what'd she say? What'd she say? Truth, Lord. You know that the Lord will tell you things sometimes that are not complimentary? If, you, if you'd really be honest and open, you, you get out and you're praying, well, Lord, this is, this is wrong, and, and why did this happen, and, and Lord, what do we need to do? And sometimes he'll tell you, well, it's because you don't keep your flesh under. Because you acted like a baby about that. What do you got to say? Truth, Lord. <laughs> Lord, you're right. You're right. He said, it's because you pitched a fit, lost your temper, acted like a heathen. <laughs> what do you got to say? Truth, Truth Lord. Truth. You're right. <laughs> that takes humility. But not listen. People will go one or two ways with things like that. People will either get mad and deny. That's pride. 
That's because they don't have enough humility to deal with it. People get mad and, and just, you know, try and try to change the subject and, and get the focus off them. Well, you're just saying that because of this. And what about your problem? And is that right? I mean, see, lack of humility. Or people will go the other direction and they'll get condemned and just get down over it. And they go, oh, God, I know you're right, oh, God. I'm the poorest excuse for a Christian in the state. I know, I know. I've messed up 198 times and that. There's just no hope for me. I know, I know, I know. And so you start, see, that's condemnation. You yield in the condemnation, and you yield to that, and you take a hammer, and you're beating yourself, you know, and you're going... I'm so lousy, and you, if you're not, you know, you start a list. Well, I'm a bad person. I'm a poor Christian. I'm a bad church member. And the devil will jump in. He said, you forgot some things. He said, <clears throat> he said, not only that, you're a lousy mom. You're a lousy wife. You're a lousy dad. You're a lousy neighbor. You're a lousy citizen. You, I mean, you're a poor excuse for a human being. You are wasting the oxygen on this plane. <laughs> and by the time you and he get through with you, there's nothing left that God can use. You don't have any faith, nothing. See, you know, why do people do that? Let's back up now. If people get mad and deny and blame shift, what's that? Why do people do that? Pride, lack of humility. Well, when people go the other way and they get down and condemn, why do they do that? Lack of faith. That's why they do it. Lack of faith. What would be the correct response? The correct response is humility and faith. That when you see something that is not complimentary about you, you blew it, you messed up, first of all, admit it. Is that right? Just look it right square in the eye and go, hey, but you blew it. You messed up. Don't make excuses. A lot of times people will say, well, yeah, I messed up. But if so-and-so would have helped me or if this was... No, 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 no. No. See, you're not doing it. You still blame... Just, just take it like a man. Take it like a woman. Is that right? Step up, you know, to it and, and say, Lord, I, I did it. Forgive me. But, but don't just stop there. Have the faith to say, but I'm going to change. Yeah, I blew it maybe for 93 times in the same area. But that's then, this is now. By the grace of God, I'll rise up. I'll overcome this. That's faith. If you have humility and you have faith, I'm telling you, you'll, you can come out of any hurdle and problem. Because God gives grace to the humble. Amen. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Can you say amen? amen? Glory. And that's not in my notes anywhere, but thought it'd be appropriate. Turn with me to 1 Samuel, the 10th chapter, and let's begin looking at some things here about how to help. We were singing, you know, about being a blessing. How many of that's, that's really your heart? You want to be a blessing? Well, you, that means you're going you're gonna to be a help. Even if you're head of a ministry, head of a church, you're helping the Lord do what he wants to do. Is that right? And if you're helping, if you're not the head of a church or ministry or, or whatever, you're helping them help the Lord. 
Is that right? We're all helping to get the kingdom of God furthered and established. How to help. In First uh, Samuel, the 10th chapter, I want you to notice something. And again, I said, we're talking about the spiritual aspects of uh, the helps ministry. Not just the natural, but the spiritual aspects of it. So many times people talk about the natural things that's involved in being a help. And that's good and that's great. But I'm talking to you about the spiritual side of being a good helper. 1 Corinthians 10. You're right. 1 Samuel. You're right. I'm wrong. 1 Samuel 10. 26. This is the story of how Saul became king. And how many know that you can't be king by yourself? Is that right? If you're going to be king over a country, you're going to have to have a lot of help. But where is it going to come from? There are a lot of different ways you could get help. You could just put you up some bulletins and say we need some help. Is that right? Or you could offer enough money that people get motivated. Money motivates. Or a lot of things, and there are a lot of natural ways. But notice what happened here. When Samuel told the people who was going to be king, Saul's going to be king, and they described the manner of the kingdom in verse 25, 1 Samuel 10, 25. They wrote it in a book to lay it up before the Lord. Samuel sent, sent all the people away, every man to his house. Now remember, Saul has just been announced to the people that he's God's choice for the king. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, verse 26. And there went with him... A band of men whose hearts God had touched. A band of men, a group of men whose heart God had touched. They went with him. They left whatever they had been doing. Is that right? Because they had had a life before Saul. But now God touched their hearts. And they went with him and they helped him. Probably from that time forward for the rest of their life. They helped him. What was it that motivated them to follow him and help him? God touched their heart. I think sometimes we, we in, in church matters and things pertaining to ministry in church, we try to divide things too much and say, well, this is natural and this is spiritual. And when it's natural, then, you know, it's just natural. You know, we don't try to be spiritual about that. This is just natural stuff. And then you got your spiritual stuff. But no, everything within the work of God, we're to be spiritual about. And we're to emphasize the spiritual aspect of it as well as the natural. I've had quite a few people help me throughout the years in prayer school and healing school. Because, because it's a school, you got a lot of turnover. And so we have new group, groups every year. People coming, people going. And so what you're doing, you're always breaking people in. Just about time they get where they can help you, they're gone. I just lost an organ player that I'd trained and worked with for three years last week. He's gone. Just now I got where he could do a good job. And I said, well, does that bother you? No, that's part of my job. It's a training center. 
He'll be, he's going to, he's going back to help his pastor where he came from. And he's going to be a bigger blessing to his pastor than he was before he came. Amen. So what I've put into him and what the Lord's done in him is not wasted at all. I mean, just because I'm not personally benefiting from it doesn't mean that it's not helping the kingdom. Right? And, uh, he, you know, it, it takes time to learn some things, and even though he's doing a natural job, he's playing an instrument, and there's natural things involved with that, yet the spiritual side of it is very important. And you might say, well, yeah, well, he's, you know, he's on the platform and in the service. Hey, the spiritual aspects of being an usher, a parking lot attendant, cleaning in the church, whatever, the spiritual aspect of it is very important. Because, uh, you know, if people are in here vacuuming these carpets, and cleaning these walls, dusting these, uh, the, the furniture and what have you. Whatever spirit they are about and whatever heart they have affects the atmosphere to a degree. You understand what I'm saying? And whatever, you, you know, uh, spirit somebody has that's out in the parking lot and, and that's greeting people. Or in, uh, you know, selling books or tapes or whatever the case might be, all of it's a reflection on this church, this ministry, all of it's a reflection on the Lord Jesus. Is that right? And you don't want people doing stuff just because they can do it ability-wise, nor do you want people doing stuff for ulterior motives with a hidden agenda. You want people whose heart the Lord has touched. Is that right? You do. Like I said, I, over the years I've had quite a few people help me in various capacities. Ushering, greeting, registering people at healing school, music people, singing, playing, book table, tapes, different things. Audio, running sound. And uh, the Lord helped me to see early on Years ago, because I've been working in healing school since 81. And he helped me to see that if I would wait until he dealt with me about somebody, that I wouldn't miss it. And uh, sometimes that's tough to do. Because when you need people, you need people. Now, uh, I know uh, Phyllis talked to me when she was working in doctor's offices. She talked to me about this several times because they'd need people and they'd have people that could do the job. And of course she wasn't, I mean, the doctors were had the last say so even though she was over some of the workers and uh, she'd ask me about this and I'd say, well, I said, wait, uh, it's, it's wise to wait till the Lord deals with you about somebody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, they didn't again and again and they had trouble out of these people. And sometimes, I mean, there's been many a time, I, I've got, well, I, just right now, right now, I've got a dozen people that could help me musically. And I'm speaking uh, four times a day sometimes, and it helps me if they can start the service and I can just come in, but I'm doing the music myself right now. Why? Because even though these people are nice people and they've got ability, some of them got a lot better ability than I do, uh, yet the Lord has not dealt with me. About any of them. No reflection on them. You understand what I'm saying? But why, but why, why am I saying? Because there's a, a reciprocal thing. I assure you that when the Lord touched 
these men's hearts to join Saul, that Saul knew about it too. When they came to him and he saw them, even even though he might not have known all the details, what happens is God will give somebody a place in their heart for you. And when he does that, he will also give them a place in their heart for you. Vice versa. I don't know if I said that right or not, but you understand what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it's not just a natural thing. Everything in the work of God has a spiritual side to it. Is that right? And there's only been like two or three people through, through the course of the years that I didn't wait until I got something in my heart about it and had trouble with those folks. The other people, even though, yeah, we had a few things we had to work through here and there, yet you could tell it was right. Now, just because people are human beings, you're going to have to work through some things because people got flesh. But when you when it's right and the grace is there, it's so much different than when it's not right. And so, you, 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 there's two sides there. When when I can tell just as good, you know, we've got people that are helping us on a personal level. And people that are helping us with a ministerial level, because we're, we're real busy. We have people that help us. And oh, it's such a godsend, such a blessing, such a blessing. Because man, if you had to do everything yourself, you just couldn't make it. Just couldn't do. I can tell when I've got good help that's helping me, and I can wait more on God and not have to do this and not have to think about this. I do a better job. Absolutely. Do a better job. And that's, you know, even though people might not realize it, they're doing something natural, but they're affecting ministry on the pulpit. Is that right? They're affecting the church when they're relieving people and allowing them to give themselves more completely to something that they should be doing. But people will not be able to stay hooked. They will not be able to do the job they ought to do unless it comes back to God touched them. And let me say this, uh, you, you might say, well, you keep saying them. God, you know, you know, put you in their heart. Yeah. We've had many people that have said, you know, brother, brother Keith, I think the Lord, you know, the Lord's laid healing school on my heart. Well, that's good, but that's not enough. Are you with me? Well, the Lord's laid healing on my heart. Well, that's good. That's good. He's laid healing on a lot of people's hearts. But that doesn't mean that, that you need to help me. How many understand what I'm saying? If, if it's right for them to help me, it's not just that they've got healing school or rhema or healing on their heart. God will put me on their heart. You understand? Me. And uh, I found that it's not enough. If people say, well, I just, you know, I, I love the work of God. Well, that's great. But there's so many places and ways you can hook up with the work of God. But if it's right for somebody to help me, then God puts me on their heart. And uh, a lot of times you can tell when it's God because people don't put so many qualifiers on it. They don't, instead of saying, I would like to help you, but just in this area. No, it's just, I've never had the Lord... Uh, you know, I, the Lord put Brother Hagen on, on my heart to help him. Now, I helped him in healing school for years and helped him. I still am helping him by being in the school there. And, and Pastor Hagen and Miss Lynette and different ones. And he never told me any of the times that he put somebody on my heart. He never told me, you just help them in this area. 
No. In fact, a lot of times he never told me what areas. He just said, help them. What does that mean? Well, what do they need me to do? So a lot of times people, you know, they get restrictive. And sometimes that reveals that God, either either their head's getting in the way or either God didn't really touch them Amen. about that person. Right. Remember, they just want to do something within the work. Right. But when God touches your heart concerning a person and you get them on your heart, then you want to help them. Amen. How? Well, whatever will help them the best. Hallelujah. Whatever they can use me. For that will relieve them because I want to help you. God put that on my heart to help you. How? Well, how can I best help? Right? And when you start drawing so many restrictions and so many lines and well, I can't, we, we'll, we might do this, but no, no, that's not what God dealt with me about. Well, what did he deal with you about? Do you know? <laughs> it just, what did it say? That he touched these men's hearts and said, now in a limited area, you can help. No, it just, he touched their hearts. See, so many times God doesn't give you a lot of details with stuff. Because he wants you to walk by faith. You just know God puts somebody on your heart. And it keeps coming up, and it keeps coming up, and you want to help. And you should obey. Because when he does that, that's how you are serving God. By doing what he told you to do and helping somebody else. And really you, you're disobedient if you don't. If God puts somebody on your heart and you don't help them or at least don't, you know, make yourself available, then uh, you can miss God. And it can, it can hinder you. It can hold you back from some things that you should get in, you know, to and, and some blessings because you're not sowing the way you should. Are you with me? Yeah. And it is not just based on somebody's personality. I'm not talking about you fall in love with somebody's looks or you fall in some love with somebody's personality. Uh, I've had people, to be frank with you, that I really, pers- you know, personally, I wasn't that thrilled with their personality. <laughs> but God put them on my heart. And so I'm helping them. Why? First of all, because I love the Lord. And if he says help them, then I'd help them no matter what. Amen. If they'd let me. Amen. I've had some situations in, in uh, interpersonal dealings, and I'm, we're going to take a break here in just a minute. But in interpersonal dealings to where I just was kind of put off by somebody's mannerisms and, and ways, and I just didn't want to get involved in the situation. And uh, the Lord told me to do this for him or do that for him or help him with this and that. And I thought, Lord, we just don't jive that good, you know. And I don't know what I mean by that. And he asked me, he said, would you do it for me? You think, oh, Lord, that's... What do you mean when I do it? Would you do it for me? Well, it's done. Yeah. Tell I me mean, if you got any sense. Are you going to tell the Lord No. He's done everything for you. Is that right? And in so many times, if you get into doing what the Lord told you to do, you find out it's not half as bad as you thought it was going to be. And uh, sometimes you were just looking at people after the flesh, and you get to see their heart a little bit, and you think, well, hey, uh, this guy's all right. Uh, this, this woman's all right. You, you know, because you, you see them not just after the flesh, but you get to see their heart a little bit. 
And uh, really, that's a lot of times that's what will happen when God touches your heart about somebody. He will give you a glimpse of their heart. And you may see some things that people don't see and appreciate some things about folk that it's not readily and outwardly seen. So first of all, in talking about how to help, it begins with a heart of a helper. And a true helper's heart is a heart that God has touched. God, a supernatural thing. God has touched. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.